Good morning to our Global Origin Gate family. There are only a few days left to register for Flight School. Flight School is a platform that you can sign up to to be mentored by 15 amazing speakers that you currently enjoy listening to every day on Wisdom's Echo. Your commitment would be two hours every week for 60 weeks, and you'll spend four weeks with one mentor before rotating to the next one until you've gone through all 15 speakers. You'll be part of a small class consisting of approximately 40 people, which promotes close community as well as personal interaction with your mentor, as your classes are done via Zoom. If you aren't able to attend a class, you won't miss out, because all of the material is recorded, allowing you to watch at your convenience. This is a great investment into your spiritual growth and maturity. Registrations close at the end of June 2022, and your classes start the first week of July. To register and for more information on what each class offers, the dates of your Zoom calls and costs, visit www.thenesttribe.com. See you there. Hi everyone, Mario Salinas here. Welcome to Wisdom's Echo, Origin Gates Daily Podcast. Story time today brings me to an experience that I had many years ago during my time of training in the Special Forces. And sometimes there are things that remain etched in our memories and in our hearts as though they just took place. And such is the story I'm sharing with you today, hopefully able through it to deposit a nugget of truth and wisdom in the hearts of all who listen. So welcome, thrilled to be sharing this with you. I was in my initial training in the Special Forces, it was actually selection process where out of hundreds of people who applied and were taken in to be tested, um, only 125 or so would emerge in the Cypriot Green Berets. And because Special Forces in Cyprus con con constituted a combination of Green Berets and the equivalent of Navy SEALs, uh, it's a different name there, but it's really the Navy SEALs of the U.S. It's the same uh, type of training and same type of Navy uh, group, elite group, um, because they they constituted the special forces of the island, they trained together for portions of their training, and part of it had to do with us being in the mountains, and part of it had to do with us being in the water, the mountains, of course, being the Green Berets' um, forte or area of operations more so than the water, and the water being the place where the SEALs trained the most, and so... Uh, at times we would train together in the mountains and at times we would train together by the sea. And this was in our early stages. We, none of us had yet become Green Berets or Navy SEALs. So we were in a process of selection and we were observed and, and scrutinized very closely by our instructors. And everything we did was taken into consideration for who's going to make it. And basically if, if you, if they didn't like you, especially in the Navy SEAL program, um, they had ways of getting people to, to quit. I don't want to get into details about that because of, you know, both 
both uh, operational confidentiality, but also because some of it would be, I think, gruesome for our listeners. So it's just a matter of walking in a way that would set you apart to be either hidden so that you are not standing out to be taken out or to be liked by the instructors and to have favor with them. And so what happened on this particular day that remains in my mind so vivid as a memory as though it happened right now is uh, the way the way our training was in the mornings we would go for a long run. And so that run we would never know where we were going and what route we would take and when we would come back. We just knew that there were two hours of morning exercise before we had to report and take count and, and all these different things that were part of our regimen. So we knew that it could be two hours, it could be an hour, and then we had an hour of other calisthenics. But it was one of the most miserable things. And I, and I have to say, those who quit, most of the people who quit, quit during a run. Because there's this hopelessness that comes onto you when it's 5.30 in the morning or 6 in the morning and you're running on rough terrain not knowing how much longer this run is going to be and you haven't even started the day. It is, it is hopeless when you're in that state. And there's, you have to understand there's very little sleep at night, constant training throughout the day and a lot of psychological what we what would be considered today abuse, but it's part of the training to toughen you up and to break you down so that you recognize your dependability on the team and on your leaders and also learn how to dig deep inside to find the reserves that are going to help you to get through the day. And that's why out of hundreds that would start out for the Green Beret selection, only about 125 of us came out. And then from the SEALs, there were about... Uh, I would say 200 people applied and started the training and only that particular year, only 12 made it into the teams. So it's, it's an intense program and what, what would happen sometimes, we would, we would leave together for the run. The Green Berets and the SEAL candidates would leave together and we wouldn't see each other until a few hours later when we would do joint exercises and when the SEALs would come back, they looked much more <laughs> tarnished in terms of what their uniforms looked like and what they had been through than we. They, they were always wet, so somehow their instructors found bodies of water to immerse everybody in. So they were always running soaking wet, and they had mud on them most of the time. So their initial runs were... Their, their morning runs were a lot more intense than the Green Berets were. Ours was just, we were always dry, except sweat, of course, because it was the summer and it's a very hot island. But, but nothing like what they would go through, right? So we knew that the SEAL training was the toughest training. We respected that. In fact, later on when we became, when we became Green Berets and they became Navy SEALs and we would hitchhike to go home, there's an unspoken rule on the hitchhiking circuit, if you would, that every soldier that is waiting to get a ride home on the highway, because hitchhiking was allowed, um, has to give 
uh, deference to the different branches and the SEALs were always first. If there's a Navy SEAL waiting to get a ride, they go first no matter when they arrived in the queue. And then the Green Berets and then other branches. It was this amazing honor system because of what they would go through to become Navy SEALs. And so uh, we always knew that they went through a lot. But on this particular day, I remember coming out for the run and the seals were sitting down under a tree. Now the sun hadn't yet fully come up to where it's scorching hot out, but trees had always been the place of refuge for all of us because it's so hot on the island and to find shade under a tree um, would always be the, the preferred um, way, but, but they wouldn't allow us to be under trees because they wanted us to suffer the heat and learn how to endure that. It's part of combat training and so on. So on this particular day, we're getting ready for the run, doing a few stretches and such. And we see the seals out gathered around this tree, just sitting around. And so we went for the run. It was a miserable one. I remember that. I remember a few guys quitting on it. And... You know, you have to say the word I abandoned to quit, which is I've, I've talked about this all over the world when I've taught about perseverance and all this stuff. And, and I basically wouldn't bring myself to use the word I abandoned in Greek, the word engadalipo, which means I abandon is what you have to say to quit the, the special forces, whether it be the SEALs or the Green Berets. And, and so a lot of people said that. And during that particular run, several of the Green Beret candidates uh, said, I abandoned and quit. And then they were ferried back with, with trucks and sent off to the, to the infantry. But I remember coming back from the run and doing push-ups and all the burpees and all these different things we were made to do. And the SEALs were just hanging out. And the instructors who... We'd never seen them smile. The SEAL instructors were intense. Sometimes I would get up very early in the morning before everyone else so I could shave without anybody being, you know, having to wait in line to shave and all this stuff. And I remember seeing the SEAL instructors up that early doing pull-ups. And, and, and I counted, one of them, I counted like 30 pull-ups and the day hadn't even started yet. These guys were intense and they never smiled. They were laughing. They were joking around with the SEAL candidates. They, they, um, they were asking them questions about them like we could hear. They were saying, so where, what town do you come from? What are, what are your favorite hobbies? And I have a friend whose name is Galiz. And Galiz would love knowing that I'm telling this story. But uh, he and I have talked about this over the years. And on that particular day, my friend Galiz, who was trying out for the SEALs, uh, was not sitting down at any of the times all the other SEAL candidates were sitting down. I noticed that. He was a friend of mine from high school. We were in the same, we were classmates. And he tried out for the SEALs while I was trying out for the Green Berets. And we ended up later on doing a lot of stuff together and hanging out quite a bit. But in that particular phase, we were, we were basically like prisoners. It was so intense and we barely exchanged glances because you don't, it, it, I can't even describe the oppressive environment it is in the first few days. And so I remember Galis just standing under the tree and not not sitting down while everybody was ordered to be in the shade. So the seals were ordered to be in the shade, which is where they were normally never to be seen under the, the branches of a tree in the shade. 
So he was standing. They weren't ordered to sit. They were told to be in the shade, but he was standing. He wasn't sitting. And there were a couple of other guys that weren't sitting, and I was wondering why that was. And then later on, throughout the day, different exercises we were doing, different drills and different things that were absolutely miserable, the SEALs were actually having snacks brought out to them by their instructors, like their instructors were bringing snacks to them. This was unheard of. We were blown away and somewhat jealous, right? And we thought, well, maybe it's because they suffer so much all the time that they are, that, that they're giving them a break. But it wasn't the case. The case was this was a very strategic and calculated move by the instructors to see who would let their guard down. And my friend Galis and a few others passed that test because no matter how much comfort they try to infuse into that moment and into that day, my friends, my friend Galis and a few others from his group refused to, to succumb to that temptation and stayed firm and tight, we called it, uh, in Greek. And they remained tight through the whole day so that they didn't let their guard down. When you consider the criterion by which Gideon's 300 were selected by Yahweh to be the ones through whom God would bring a victory for the Israelites against the innumerable Midianites, right? The Midianite army was innumerable according to the Bible. But God told Gideon, go down to the water and you watch how people drink. If they bend down, if they get on their knees and drink like a dog, he said, they are not to go with you. But if they lap the water, they are to go with you. And and as a special operator from the past in my life, I will tell you that I can I can see right away why that would be. The ones who would lap the water, keep their head up and their gaze fixed on the horizon while they're drinking water. The ones who bend down, let their guard down because their face will be away from the horizon and what could be coming their way while their face is in the water and they're focusing on their immediate need of satisfying their thirst. So that is why I believe the selection was the 300 that lapped the water were on their toes, they were intense, they were on edge, they were very cautious and circumspect and aware of their surroundings. And that is one of the things that we're trained to do. And on that particular day, my friend Carlis demonstrated that in the early days of selection for SEAL training, there were so many other steps to go through and so much that they suffered to get to the point where they, he became one of the 12 that made it into the teams that year. And, and we also went through our own regimen in our own way, but nothing as intense as what the SEALs went through. But he always remembered that day as I remembered it, that on that particular day, the instructors marked individuals who let their guard down and kicked their feet up and and thought that they had an easy day, thought that this was a break because they'd been through so much, thought that the instructors liked them, when actually the instructors were evaluating them in a completely different way than what was presented. And And I believe we're being evaluated all the time in the good times and the difficult times in how we are positioning ourselves before Yahweh and all of creation. Are we going to let our guard down because times are easier? Are we going to quit and give up because times are harder? We're always being evaluated. And I want to end with one thought. For me, doing my very best and always staying tight like that, always walking 
circumspectly aware of my spiritual surroundings, not just earthly surroundings, is what enables me when things become difficult and are out of my control to come with boldness before the Father, with the Spirit of the Son saying, Abba, Father, right? To say, God, we've done everything we knew to do. We have upheld the standard. We have not let our guard down. We have pursued you with intensity and passion, with everything there is, and we've stewarded every opportunity we've had. Now we ask you to do what we can't do. And there's an authority that comes from always keeping your guard up, from always doing your best, from always stewarding every moment the best you can, where you can stand before the Father with boldness. And I believe that makes all the difference in times like that. I hope you got something out of the story today. And until we speak again, let's remain in Yahweh's love. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. Shalom.